Welcome to our Harris Federation Poetry Podcasts on Checking Out Me History, a poem written by the great Afro-Guyanese performance poet, John Agard. You'll need a copy of the poem, digital or paper, and a notebook and pen to record all our annotations and your ideas. Please do remember to annotate as we talk through the poem. One thing I would urge you to do is to watch John Agard perform this poem on YouTube. He really is a charismatic performer. If you search for his name and the poem, you should find the BBC Teach Poets in Person series where Agard not only reads the poem but also gives some insights. It's highly recommended. So what you need to know before we begin reading the poem is that when John Agard was born, back in 1949, Guyana was a British colony. Guyana is on the Caribbean coast of South America and the people there speak Guyanese Creole, which is a dialect based on English. They also speak Standard English. Guyana gained independence from the British Empire in 1966, but all the time John Agard was at school, he would have had a colonial, that is traditional, old-fashioned English education even though the culture and history he was being taught would have had little relevance to him as a black Caribbean. When explaining why he wrote this poem, John Agard quoted the first line of the history book he'd had at school. It said, West Indian history began in 1492 with the arrival of Columbus, as if nothing had existed until the Europeans entered the arena. In other words, there was nothing about the previous inhabitants of the Caribbean, the indigenous people called Caribs and Arawaks. These people all died out after the arrival of the Europeans, partly through violence, partly through disease. And then, to add insult to injury, they're written out of history. But Agard will remember them in this poem, as we shall see. So during the course of the poem, Agard mocks the colonial education he received, but also he's celebrating some of the outstanding figures from black history. We're going to be learning about some of these people throughout the course of this podcast. Now, when I first started teaching this poem, I had to check out some of this history too myself. And I found that the stories of Toussaint Louverture, Nanny Maroon and the rest were so exciting and inspirational. I'd really recommend you to do your own research to find out more about the lives of these people. What I'd like you to do now is read the poem for yourself, ideally while listening to Agard reading it. Pause the podcast while you do so. And as you read, what opinion do you think he has of the education he received? And how do you know this? Welcome back. So, what did you notice about the language and structure of the poem? Now, Agard has said that he often uses Creole, the dialect of his Caribbean homeland, in his poetry, but particularly in this poem, which is about showing pride, not just in your language, but also in your history. He also pays a lot of attention to the rhythm of his poetry. And this is what he said about that. I play with words like a musician plays with notes, so a text becomes like a musical score. If you listen to him recite this poem, it is more like a song. But the song changes as it goes on, and we're going to explore how and why during this podcast. The poem's in the form of a dramatic monologue, 
which is a term I'd like you to write down if you haven't come across it before. It means that the poem is like a speech by a character in a play. However, I think in this poem the character is actually Agard himself because it seems such a deeply personal poem. So, Agard begins with a chant. Dem tell me, dem tell me. Straight away, he's using his Creole dialect to assert his cultural identity. But who is Dem, or them in Standard English? It's the British Empire, the establishment that decided his school curriculum, his school syllabus, and therefore decided what he should and should not know. And as a result, he's blind to his own cultural identity. His eyes have been bandaged and the truth kept from him. The use of words like bandage and blind imply injury as well as ignorance and emphasise Agar's resentment. So the next part of the poem is about some of the things he learnt at school as a child. In fact, our culture and education now are more diverse, so what he talks about is no longer such universal knowledge. And as a result, you might need to annotate when I explain what some of these facts and figures actually are. So 1066 is the year of the Norman conquest of England, and it's said to be the most famous date in English history. Dick Whittington is an English folk hero, and you might recognise this name from Christmas pantomimes. Then, in the next verse, Agard starts telling us about the first of his great figures from black history, Toussaint Louverture. You will notice there's a real change in this verse, and not just because it's in italics on the page when you read it. So, I'm just going to give you a bit of background on Toussaint Louverture. He was a slave on the French-owned Caribbean colony of Haiti, but he was also a brilliant soldier, and in the 1790s, he led a great slave revolution against the French. As a result, Haiti became the first free republic in the Caribbean, the first where black people were no longer enslaved. Now, notice the shift in language and in rhythm. In the verses where he's talking about all his school learning, the language is unpoetic, the rhythm and rhyming couplets are quite boring and predictable, da and cat, moon and spoon, it sounds like a child chanting something by rote, like multiplication timetables. One and one is two, two and two is three, that kind of thing. But then, when Agard starts telling us about this hero from black history, we feel the poem's celebratory side. The lines are only one or two or three words long. There are half rhymes, full rhymes, no rhymes. We don't know what to expect. It's exciting, it's dramatic, it's unpredictable. Why do you think that is? And the language also changes. It becomes poetic and figurative rather than literal. Toussaint is a thorn to the French overlords, but he's also a beacon. That means a guiding light. There is so much imagery that is light and bright linked to the inspirational figures in this poem. Think about how Agard felt he was blind, that his eyes had been bandaged at the beginning of the poem. Do you see why the image of light is so important to him? Now in the next stanza, we're back to his boring school days. He remembers being told about someone inventing the hot air balloon and he starts to quote bits of the English nonsense nursery rhyme that starts Hey Diddle Diddle the Cat and the Fiddle. Now you might know that one yourself. But then we move back to another one of his heroes, 
this time Nanny the Maroon. She's another amazing freedom fighter and military leader. She's a national hero of Jamaica and her picture is on the $500 note. So Nanny was born an Ashanti princess in Africa, but she was taken to Jamaica on a slave ship. She escaped and set up a kingdom of escaped slaves or maroons in the Jamaican interior. Now, you notice Agar talks about hopeful stream to Freedom River. This is because slaves who wanted to escape to Nanny's kingdom knew there was a certain river that they would need to follow in order to find it. Agard also makes reference to Nanny's mystical powers, the Obeya traditions from her African ancestry, and that makes this part of the poem sound almost like a kind of spell. So, in the next verse, we're back at school, learning about Lord Nelson, the Battle of Waterloo, and how Columbus discovered America in 1492. But now, the figures of black history are starting to break into the verse the great Zulu king Shaka, and the Caribs and the Arawaks that we mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, the original inhabitants of the Caribbean who had been wiped out as a people and written out of the history books. The next stanza is also focusing on famous white figures of history and legend. Florence Nightingale, who helped to found modern nursing thanks to her work in the Crimean War. Robin Hood, the legendary outlaw, and another nursery rhyme character, Old King Cole. But then Agard moves to a black woman who also worked as a nurse in the Crimean War, Mary Seacole. This 19th century nurse is not nearly as famous as Florence Nightingale, and in fact, when she volunteered to go to help the soldiers, she had to pay her own way because the government did not approve of her skin colour. But here, John Agard honours this brave woman using beautiful metaphors of light and hope to describe her. Healing star, yellow sunrise. Then, in the final verse, we seem to be back at the beginning. Dem tell me. But something's changed. The chant has lost its oppressive quality now, don't you think? It doesn't matter what Dem say. Agard reasserts himself with that phrase, but now... He is checking out his own history, and the final sentence sums up his newfound power. No longer blind and bandaged, he's carving out me identity. Identity, the final word of the poem, and perhaps the most important word of all. So now I'd like us to consolidate the big ideas in this poem. What ideas do you have? Pause the podcast to write them down now. Welcome back. You might have mentioned the following. Firstly, the abuse of power. Agard's culture, and therefore his identity, has been taken from him by the white establishment that controlled his education. Secondly, the conflict between his identity and the culture being imposed on him. Thirdly, the power of inspiration, that black history is full of inspirational figures to celebrate. And finally, how knowledge can be empowering, how Agard's identity comes together during his journey through history. Can you find evidence of these big ideas? Pause the podcast while you collect it. Welcome back. 
So, for the abuse of power, you might have picked out the violent imagery of injury and pain at the beginning of the poem, bandage and blind me. For the conflict between his identity and white culture, you might have looked at the contrast between the lyrical and exciting verses describing black heroes and the predictable rhyming couplets where Agar's describing his school learning. For the celebration of black history, there's so much to choose, but you might have picked out all the imagery referring to light, firewoman, beacon, healing star. And for how knowledge empowers Agard, you could have compared the way the poem begins with Agard angry and blinded to the way it ends with a positive and assertive I carving out me identity. Now, in the last part of the podcast, we're going to reflect on how to compare this poem to some of the others in our anthology. So pause the podcast now and see if you can link any of our big ideas to other poems. So, for the big idea of abuse of power and how it can be undermined, you could look at the way that Shelley, for example, undermines the tyrant Ozymandias, or the way Robert Browning undermines the Duke's narrative in his poem My Last Duchess. And you could compare that to the way that Agard mocks the power of the British Empire in this poem. For the big idea about celebration of identity, you could have looked at the way the speaker in the emigre loves her native city and feels that its memory is part of her identity, while Agard rediscovers his identity through discovering his history. Did you think of other comparisons between the poems? If you listen to more of our podcasts, as you do so, you can see if you can find more patterns between the different poems. There are lots to be identified. Thank you for listening.